0: And welcome to Everything Remade, a podcast that I hope is about growth as much as it is about music. I'm Sean Decker, and I'd like you to hear something. You're hearing And The Hat Stays On by On The Might Of Princes from their 20th anniversary remaster of the album Where You Are and Where You Want To Be. This album was already on my radar when their follow-up Sirens came out, which I'll be honest, is one of my top 10 favorite records of all time. So getting the chance to chat with Chris and Tommy about it was a real treat.
1: Chris Enriquez. I was the drummer in On the Mind of Princes. I was the second drummer. And, um, uh, yeah, any, uh, a back quick background on me. Uh, uh, you know, we're, we're all from Long Island New York. That's where I'm born and raised and grew up in the uh, punk and hardcore scene. And, uh, uh, came to find out about On the Might of Princes, uh, right after their first record came out and, uh, it turned out that they were looking for a drummer and I joined, uh, roughly 20 years ago when we were making uh, Where You Are and Where You Want to Be. And so uh, that's kind of, uh, you know, a brief background on who I am and, and where I came from.
2: Hey, Darren, I'm Tommy. I played uh, at Basin. Um Also grew up along Long Island, like Chris. We grew up in the same uh, punk and hardcore scene together. <clears throat> Before that, you know, growing up in the 80s and 90s, I was into like everything from like hair metal in the beginning to, you know, grunge and then expanding more to um, some shoegaze stuff and prog and stuff like that Um, yeah and then we started the band and kind of fused all those influences together in um, a way that was you know our own and and, you know we just kind of expanded as we as we went along
0: yeah Um, yeah I actually didn't didn't know until I was like actually you know when you spend time with a record you're just listening to the record sometimes you don't you're not looking at the liner notes especially you know in the digital age and stuff where you just listen to an album on YouTube I actually didn't know that Chris wasn't on the first album until like you know earlier this week when I was trying to like get a little more uh background and stuff um so um how did the uh band start you know originally like um Tommy did you did you uh did you know like um Jason and Lou for like a long time before the band started or well
2: I knew Lou um yeah met Lou first in ninety, ninety three. 93 actually we um my uh, uh actually my current my wife she went to school with him so but I, I knew her first like I, she would invite us to a party my, it was like okay I was in a band sorry I was in like a like a cover band like that we covered like uh Rage Against Machine and stuff like that, uh-huh. um, and we, we were looking for a place to play. And she invited us to play at this um, backyard of her, of one of her close friends. And uh, Lou just happened to be there, and like he told us to play guitar. We started jamming on um, like that that day. It was literally like five minutes into meeting him we started jamming and stuff. Um, so we became like very fast friends. And then he just he was looking for a band, and we uh, just started. That was the first time I started writing originals was with was with him. We were, so we were in a band in, like, high school. We went to two different high schools. But we, we were still, like, together every day and just writing and just hanging out and stuff like that. And we started a band that was, like, a, it was like a grungy, like, grungy, like, helmet kind of band.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and we we started playing. Even though we weren't, like, a hardcore band at all, we had, like, you know, the, like, drop divas and stuff like that. Yeah. We started playing in that scene because that's, that's kind of what was around. And that's what kind of turned us on to, um, to uh, you know, that kind of... Uh, I didn't know local bands like existed even, you know what I mean? Like, at the time, it was, like, early 90s. Every, any kind of band you knew of was like, was, like, big. It was, like, even seeing, like, Nirvana and Allison in Chains and stuff like that. So I didn't know there was, like, a more uh, accessible like a way way to see bands and stuff. And that was the first time, first experience with that. And then, um, so that was 93. And then I met, <clears throat> then, you know, that band kind of broke up and I was, I moved out of state and I, I came back to New York to to, um... Fizzing. I was, like, really looking for a group to play with that was, um, I was just getting very inspired by the stuff I was hearing out of New York, too, with, like, Quicks and, and Mind of a Matter and stuff like that, It's like, mixing, um, I really liked the energy of hardcore, but it didn't really connect as far as, uh, um, how do I explain it? It was, like, at that time, it was, like, a very, like, tough kind of sound, I guess, you know? Like, yeah. It was, like, uh... The, there there's a band called Yeah, like Tension and uh who were great all very very good bands, but it just didn't connect as far as like the maybe darker, more abstract stuff that was like wanted to wanted to um, play myself. so I guess Quicksand was like the earliest version of, of, of that. Like something that was aggressive but not really um off sounding, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I was really wanted to find that. It's just it was but at the time it was so that kind of hardcore that like heavier like cookie monster kind of hardcore was so big and uh, it was either that or ska just so like in the mid 90s or like pop punk so i was like re- really having a hard time fi- finding like anyone to, to to play with and then i finally landed on um my friend very um experimental kind of stuff on guitar and my uh best friend up with dave he was uh, he agreed to play drums with us So this is what this is all while i was actually visiting <clears throat> new york from out of state and then we were looking. We tried out like I'd like to say fifteen to twenty singers of like just friends of friends and things like that, or people we met through um, ads, like paper ads and stuff like that. And they were all just like you know very sweet people, but like just screaming, or I think pretty much everyone's screaming, yeah. <laughs> was just, like, which is fine. But at the time we were just like it was just in my head. You know, I think the, hard, the hardest part for me, especially the other guys weren't as picky. For me, I was just like. I just had not, had nothing to reference. I was like, I know I don't want that, but I know what else it really could, what, what else would fit. I guess the Walter Shreif was kind of maybe a yelling, more of a yelling thing or, or I just knew I didn't want that more, uh, that, that Cookie Monster thing that was kind of everywhere at the time. Yeah. Um, so then we were just like kind of disillusioned and not really finding anyone and we, we used to, but we, we were younger so we were like loitering in this um, record store called None of the Above which was, uh, I don't know if anyone knows that, um but it was a one of the only like hardcore indie in, um <clears throat> record stores in the area but we we would just go in there all the time and just like talk to people and just like hang out and stuff and there was <clears throat> a paper ad that said uh you know guitarist singer looking for a band that influenced by uh fugazi and Sonic He listed a couple of bands that I was really into and um, I called them and it was it was jason <laughs> that was the, that's how I met him we jammed the next day and it was just like clicked so so well and I, I didn't really know what i was looking for until i found him i guess um mm-hmm. so that yeah that was the, that's how the band started because then oh, that, so we we jammed for like that for rest of that summer i went back to i was living in florida with my family i went back to florida jason moved in with some girl or something in chicago but we just kept in touch throughout the time just being like he would send me um you know demos of things he was working on and then i would send him like this is all through cassette, because it's like 96. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> So he'd send me, like, cassette. I was I would, uh, yeah, so I, he, I would literally, like, play a part, like, you know, with, record recorded on a cassette and send it back, that kind of stuff, and read, write letters. It was, like, it was a really cool um, way to, like, write and just still keep in touch for the next, um, this was, was I want to say, a year and a half. And then we lost touch, because he moved out of the place we was in, and just, like, he, he's, he was, like, between ad- addresses. I moved back to New York, and he he did write me a letter, and I forwarded back to my my house. And he had moved back at the same time that I I did. So it just you know out of uh, by chance. And he was just like, "Oh, if you ever were back in New York, I'm here." I was like, "Oh, I am here." <laughs> you know, he left me his number. I was like, "Dude, I have actually just moved back," and like he was like around the block. I didn't even know it. And uh, yeah, so then we we were like, "All right, we're, now we're totally starting back because we're we're in the same you we know we're in the same uh, zip code, and we could just like. Uh, try to pick up where we left off and we did so, but but you know the other guys were not you know those guys were more like humoring me they were just like friends and be like yeah we'll start a band it wasn't like uh they were serious and wanted to actually do it you know mm-hmm. so i was like all right so it was kind of like started from scratch so i just like we was like sitting around and we were, like um i was like oh i'll call my friend lou and uh like lou is very if anyone knows him he's just, like the most available person you think of like he's the kind of guy that would be like you can just call him at any hour of the day, like, come over and he's well will. And it was literally like that. I was like, oh, my friend Lou will probably do it. I just called him, <laughs> and Lou, because uh, we always kept in touch, too. And he literally, he drove over. He was, there, he was there, like, 10 minutes, they shook hands. I knew they were both, like, so um, different as people, uh, which, you know, proved to be, you know, maybe, uh, what's the word, you know, causing some tension later on. But, like, at the time, I was like, I'm not, I'm not I don't even care. Like, they were just, like, they, you know, they sh- he showed up, we shook hands, we played, that night, I think, we just started jamming, and just, that was it, it was, that was the beginning of, um, writing our own stuff, and then we knew we needed a drummer, but we didn't even talk about that in the beginning, honestly, the drummer thing, because we were, the stuff we were writing at that time was very quiet sounding, it was, it was, uh, if anyone knows the first record, Anywhere in Europe is the, one of the first three songs we did, um, together, and that's kind of the, the vibe we were doing, we weren't, like, talking about, um, Expanding into like a full like rock band it was a very quiet thing until until Jason wrote a part that was like oh we probably you know, we never get we probably should start looking for a drummer and that became a whole other uh you know excursion trying to find somebody that was not taken because drummers you know are very rare especially good drummers um yeah and then we went to yeah, yeah. we were so that that became a problem and then we, we I went to go see my friend that I went to high school with she was playing um. Uh, she was playing at a club in Port Jefferson in, in Long Island, and we went down there, and I wasn't so into the band, but Nicole was the drummer of that band. I was just, like, blown away by that, um, just how tight she was and her, her energy, and, uh, you know, just had a lot of t- just a tasteful way of playing. I was just, like, watching her the entire time, even though I didn't like the, the band so much, and I was just like, that was just incredible. And I, I didn't, um, I was kind of shy to go up to her as far as, yeah, you know, especially she was playing with my my friend, you know, my friend and my and my friend. I know that that she was like yeah, not the easiest going person in the world. So like I had heard that oh she they're they're fighting. I was like okay cool. Let me just find um because I knew the guitarist too. So I got her number and I called her. I was like I know you're in a band, but um would you want to, you know my my the, we went to go see uh, you the other night and you you're incredible. So could we um. You know, could you want to come try out with us and just uh, see if you like it? Just one day, she um, she agreed to, She's you know we talked on call for a while, <clears throat> and she um, she got on. She was going to NYU, I believe, and then she took the train out. We played, and it was yeah, you know, it was it was one of those moments of, like the first time we played. It was just it just made sense. It was like a very um just yelled together easily, and uh, we wrote like three songs or something. It was just like, a very easy like fast way to um. You know, it's just that that moment where you actually know that, that it's gonna work, it's that kind of thing. And that yeah. was it. We started playing um, every day. I was like, every uh, if we weren't playing, we were hanging out. It was that kind of uh, you know that 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 uh, we want to call it honeymoon honeymoon period. But it was a very long you know honeymoon. We probably could have played a show like earlier, but we just like we just explored. Like um, I think we took maybe I want to say six seven months before we played a show. But it was a very um, it was just trying to find like a sound that that gel because then when we when we started writing with her, we started um, really just trying to find the best of the best of those songs and kind of ditching things So because we songs were coming so fast that we, just, we tried to find like the <clears throat> the best like four or five songs we could actually play at a show and then that was it really. Mm-hmm. Like you know, a long, winded history. And that, you know, that that version lasted for uh, probably like two years, a year and a half, two years. And, um, you know, just things happened. It wasn't like nothing too dramatic. At the time, it felt dramatic, but looking back, it was just you know, t- taste difference and we started writing heavier stuff that she wasn't into and, you know, little um, arguments and stuff like that, like brother-sister kind of stuff um, mm-hmm. and that's just kind of how it went down. It wasn't like this huge dramatic blowout even though, it, like I said, it felt like that at the time because we were kids but, um, of course. you know, every time we talk now, yeah, but every time we talk now it's fine and she's sweet and, um, but, you know, we just knew um, it just wasn't, she was wanting to go in a more poppy direction we we were, we were definitely getting into heavier stuff because you know, the show we weren't in the beginning it was much more of um, even the, the heavier light stuff, it was it was it made it didn't take much of an aggressive turn until we started actually playing live and and all the songs became louder and heavier because it was just such a um, I just remember those first shows playing with them because like you know, before that, like we're saying, we're saying cover bands are just like these like silly kind of drop-deep ends and stuff, but it was the first time playing a show with them that felt like a Actual cathartic experience of like you know, it was very emotionally intense shows and stuff like that. So those those songs got naturally heavier and more aggressive, and then we just started leaning more towards that as as we were writing. And just that just wasn't clicking with her. So that was that was pretty much it. Yeah. And then we had seen um, played a show. Chris is one of Chris's bands called The Crushless, and we saw him play, and it was just it's like the same kind of feeling of being blown away and knowing that would click. But of course, like he was in the band. So every, every time you see a the drummer, they're usually in the band. Yeah. Unfortunately, but it did work. You know, we'd called up, um, yeah, Jason, I think had like a crush on the singer of his, Chris's band, our friend Jade and got her number. I was like, dude, give me that number so I could call her and, you know, try to get, uh, in touch with Chris. And that was, that was it. Um, <laughs> and then that, you know, once, so we were without a drummer maybe for a week and then we just picked up with Chris right away. It was the same kind of vibe of, uh, no, clicks, I remember the first show, I'm not sorry, the first rehearsal, of course, was very, like, loud and aggressive. It was, like, much more, you, just, it was, you could immediately tell it was, like, that missing um, uh, piece of, like, kind of, uh, how, the way we could go to the heavy, heavy direction, but still tasteful and going, you know, alternating between the quiet light parts, but... Yeah. We just knew that that that, that aggression is what we needed to get, yeah. move forward. And you can totally tell that when you, when you... um hear both the records back to the back. It's like, oh, okay, that's exactly what, what, we, what we needed. And not, that's not to take away from Nicole's plan or anything like that, but it's just that that's, that wasn't her style to go on, you know, this big bombastic uh, drums and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, the way Chris was and, and trying to explore different influences, influences and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Chris, had you heard them before he called you?
1: Yeah, I, uh, I, I heard about On the Might of Princes because my best friend showed me a flyer. We were um, interested in seeing the Promise Ring um, at NYU. And On the Might of Princes was the, I think it was uh, American Football and On the Might of Princes. That was the uh, three bands on the bill. And we saw something on there that said that the, the band was from Long Island. And we were kind of like blown away um, that a band from our local scene was playing with national bands like that it seemed like quite, kind of like a, a jump um compared to like you know what we were used to seeing so i i i looked up the band they had a full length out and uh it was very different from what i was hearing around me i had already been into that kind of music which like you know you could um when i say that kind of music you know sunny day real estate uh, would probably be a great example of that or or um Fugazi, Drive Like Jehu. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that those bands are the same genre, but I was into that stuff. And so when I heard All The Princes, it, I was like, oh, wow. Like, they're kind of doing that kind of thing. Um, how fascinating. So I was a fan. And then I, I was playing in bands at the time. I was in a band uh, runner-up with uh, Eddie Reyes from Taking Back Sunday. And the, the band eventually kind of, like, morphed into um, Taking Back Sunday. I quit at that point. Um, that was the first time I saw on the My Princes and spoke to them. And, um, uh, and then I played a, a, another show with them again, but at this point I'm in another band called, um, the crush list, uh, which was a very short lived band. And it was at that, uh, time that we exchanged phone numbers. And, uh, and then I found out that they were looking for drummers. So that's kind of how I came into the picture.
0: Yeah. And, and like, um, you know, Tommy was saying that y'all hit it off like pretty much from the first practice. Did you, now what were you were you just like, hey, check out these other songs, or were you did you immediately say, hey, this is new stuff that we're trying to work oh. on? Um, you want to take that one, Tom? Um,
2: it was we we showed him. I mean, we had songs we wanted to keep from Nicole's era. There was, uh, I guess, on the, where you are. There was two of them, and it has his on and. Um, what was the other one?
1: As long as she doesn't
2: smoke. Yeah, those two, that might've been another one, but yeah, those, those two, so we knew we wanted to keep them, but the show we did, first show was all those songs, and then we didn't really start writing until maybe
1: that first couple of shows. Yeah, that that, right. I, you know, what happened was we, we met up and, um, these guys, even though we're from Long Island, lived like about an hour away from me. And so we talked on the phone about how they wanted a drummer. I drove about an hour to meet up with them and and we got along really well. Um, I'm the youngest of all of them. So I, I, what I immediately noticed was that these guys were uh, a little more mature than the crowd I was rolling with. They were really nice. And um, when we jammed, um, I believe like Tom said, and the hat stays on was probably the first song we played together. And it just gelled. Uh, So personally on, on a, on a personal level and on a musical level everything really immediately clicked um was one of those kind of magical moments and uh, it was great i would say i was probably a little intimidated too because it, it, at that time it was almost a little uh, uh taboo to like meet people outside of your own town uh like that so like you know the fact that i was listening to the band ready and i had watched them play and now i'm like jamming with them it was almost like uh you know playing a band that you're a fan of you know it's 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 a little humbling and also a little um uh yeah a little a little nerve-wracking at the same point in time you know
0: yeah <laughs> yeah my the first band that i ever toured with was it was a similar situation it was this it was this band and like we were a band i was in in high school was playing shows with them sometimes and they were like teaching us about like diy beyond our town and stuff like that and then you know, when I uh, graduated, they were like, "Hey, we need a bass player," and and I ended up in the band, and it was very much similar situation. Like, like well, this is kind of like way too cool to be true, or you know, or whatever. Was was the uh, first goal to um, keep writing new songs and work on like an album that you know, or like a set that you all like had contributed to, or was the first goal to get to where you could you know be playing out again?
2: See, we wanted to play right away. That was the thing because um, it wasn't. I think we weren't even thinking about record at that point yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just wanted to. We, we loved playing live. somewhere. we were playing when that in the call that whole year so even though things are going rough it was two or three times a week. So it wasn't we just wanted to get back to that, um, you know, playing any any kind of show. We're not we were not banned to say no to any show. Like we're playing everything from like sweet sixteens to like basement shows to uh anywhere. We 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 play like a bar just to just to just to go and play in, in front of like nobody, just to you know, get the experience. So we just that's we knew that that was our, our strength and what we wanted to um get it back back to you right away and we did it pretty quickly. I, I, I don't Chris maybe have a better memory right? I, have, I, I have a feeling was it a month of, I don't know.
1: am I right It was very quick. it was very quick yeah I, I remember uh, I remember like learning songs from the yeah. first album um, then and then and then having like a couple songs that we um, worked on together maybe two songs tops and then like within like weeks or even like when I joined there might have already been shows booked um, local shows of course. But, um, you know, back then, you know, it wasn't like, um, uh, you know, the professionalism of knowing like, oh, you shouldn't play more than two shows in the same market. It wasn't like uh, we were aware that that was even a thing. So we would play like two shows in a week in the same neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, two shows a month in Long Island. It was pretty frequent. Frequent. Yeah. And like Tom said, one, one minute one minute you could be playing um, you know, somebody's backyard. The next minute you're playing a show, um, you know, with uh, – pretty uh, well-known local bands at a, at a bar or a Knights of Columbus. So it was just a mixed bag, but there's always a lot of activity happening.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that always, that
2: always took the president's over over records. I think we're more of a, you know, we never quite got the record thing correct right? For, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, not in a bad, not to dig a dig at it. I just think we're definitely more of a, a live band that came from, you know, a lot of, times of um before the band started even like really yearning for that experience of, of seeing so many good shows and wanting to be a part of it and just having not be around and then when you finally find it you're like okay, right, this is you know i want to do this as much as i can and, and like especially since the there was a band we were proud of and got such a good feeling from playing live even if it was no one was there that kind of thing so it was um that was it that was kind of the north star of, of the band I, uh, as far as I'm concerned, well, Chris, do you see this feel the same way, or is it? Yeah, I think you see I it know. I feel like
1: I, albums, albums, albums. feel like I know what you're trying to say. Like uh, we weren't, um, you know, a very <laughs> professional band. Uh, I guess is I think what Tommy's trying to say. Like we were kind of just living in the moment, and I think especially with uh, the kind of music we were doing, it was just really like truly just us kind of lay, letting it all out there. We 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 weren't um, really trying to accomplish uh, much aside from just like kind of like. Letting out our, um, you know, it's like a therapy session, yeah. an open therapy session, you know? Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of how it felt back then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's still
2: so fun, you know? And like, and when we finally got time to, because where you are is the record came out like naturally, but there's still so many mistakes on it. And like, it's not, um, but it's still good. It's a good time capsule for the live, the live band because it does sound live in a sense. um, But, and then we'll the chance to make a, like a real record, you know, with the Sirens thing. It just didn't were you know behind the scenes it just didn't work or be as good as it should have been that kind of thing but um yeah for the live thing it was was, that was it so that's why i think right when chris joined we were like all right let's we're playing as soon as possible so let's uh brush up on the older stuff and write some new things and we it wasn't like a thing where we like let's get four songs together we had like a lot to choose from so we had like enough to do like different set lists and stuff right away because chris picked them up very insanely fast Mm -hmm. so um he got us definitely back back on the ball as fast as you know, we, even faster than I thought we would be. So,
0: so did you? Um, so when exactly did you join the the band, Chris? Because uh, you know where you are came out in two thousand two, right? And then, and uh, making of conversation came out in ninety nine. So, if you joined just after that, I mean, it's it. Don't...
2: He joined like a month after the. Sorry, it was a month after the record came out. I think it came out, like, pretty much when Nicole was, was um, on her way out already. Mm-hmm. So we recorded that in the winter, like, like February of 99, maybe, or something like that. And um, she, once it was actually pressed and we had it in her hands, she was gone already. So yeah. it was that kind of thing. Yeah. Or <clears throat> And, um, yeah, so then the record, 2001, actually where you are was 2001, early
0: 2001.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, so so it happened pretty Yeah. Yeah. Quickly. I mean, like, um, yeah, I was going to say that it was all, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No,
0: I just, it's just, you know, um, uh, Tommy keeps saying like that, you know, your priorities were playing and like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Like, um, but you also like releasing a full length album only, only a year or so after, you know, you get a new member, that's like, you you know, you're no slouches. Like it, you, you (laughs) went right back at it. Um, did you do any like other than just playing around? Did you do any touring uh before um you recorded where you are?
2: Yeah. yeah. 2000 so, yeah. yeah that whole summer of 2000 was uh probably our, that was our, we did like little you know weekends here and there but the summer of 2000 we, um really took the Americas so we, we did like almost in America with the punk band contra that was our first tour and that's kind of um I think we recorded right after that, right, Chris. It was uh, so we that was kind of we were like tight, end. the songs were like ready to definitely be recorded. We had enough to to, to do a full length, and that's we we did the tour, and then I think that fall, so the end of the tour was around uh, maybe June or July, and that fall we recorded. So that's that was a kind of a the time capsule, I yeah, guess, pretty, of, of that time, time period.
0: Yeah, that's awesome time to to record like right after a tour because. Well, I mean, yeah. as long as everybody still likes each other. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, because you get that. At that time, honestly, we did.
2: So, so that's awesome. It was
0: awesome. good. Yeah, you get that tour yeah. tightness, and then you just, like, hit the studio. Yep. and um, Yeah, I don't I gener I gen, generally, after a tour, I feel like uh, sometimes after a tour, that post-tour, like, sort of, uh, I wish I was just back on tour will happen. But also the other thing is, like, you're just, like, i just want to write more songs and you know go on tour again and all that stuff too um but um so how uh what was the experience like recording where you are in like how was it different than when you recorded your first album like was the studio situation pretty much the same or was it like dramatically different for you
2: It's hugely different. I mean, we'll have have different takes on it, but to compare them, the other one was like around the block. You know, when we did recorded um, Making of the Conversation, it was like in this little weird like added kind of, uh, it was a nice studio, but it was was like kind of very small. It was like very, very nervous. So like, it sounded like um, the record has like a stiffness to it that we just didn't know what we were doing kind of thing. And production quality is not that good, but but, we were so happy to be there. but at the same time, it was, like, around the block. So it felt like um, just going to work or going to rehearsal wasn't, like, so much of a big excursion like it was to go into Pennsylvania we recorded Where You Are. <clears throat> and um, Where You Are, like I said, it was just more of uh, I guess it captured that. I think that first the first record, maybe... We tried to go for, like, a cleaner sound, I guess. And um, not knowing what we were doing, it was just more of a... Uh, we weren't, like, loose enough, I guess. But with Where You Are, it was definitely just a... It was a loud room and we were playing, recording a lot of this stuff live and like in the same room, that kind of thing, whereas what I'm making of was very like separate and the traditional, you know, kind of studio thing. And the guy that was recording us was, um, he was more of like a recording like student that recorded uh, kind of like 80s New Wave. He wasn't really, he didn't have any really idea of the kind of stuff we yeah. were doing. Really right. nice guy, but just not really um, knowledgeable about getting, getting like bigger, thicker tones and stuff like that. Whereas um when we did um Where you are they had like the big tube amps there and uh the right room for that loud uh, volume that could kind of like get off on while you're playing, you know. Um so that was I just remember recording making of it, it was like everything everything was so quiet because I was playing by myself, like with these headphones and stuff. And Where You Are was very um just the opposite of like that had a <clears throat> very good uh, live feel to it. So the biggest um takeaway.
0: Yeah. To me. Yeah. Um how much recording experience did you have before, uh, you, you stepped in and recorded where you are, uh, Chris? Um,
1: I had recorded a lot of demos. I was in bands, uh, you know, like kind of like Tom and Lou, you know, I was in bands the cover bands since, um uh, I think I started my first band, you know, as early as like 1990 or something like that. And so it was, I spent, uh. A lot of time playing uh, in, in bands that were doing Nirvana and Soundgarden and Pearl Jam and all that stuff. And even like Guns N' Roses and Metallica for hours on end. Um, and then eventually I started uh, playing in local bands that had done uh, demos. So I I, I I recorded at least, I want to say like at least five to six demos at that point, but never a full length. Um, this was my first full length. And it was, it was uh, pretty punk rock, I would say, you know, in the sense of like you know, having now been doing, uh, this for, you know, 30 years, almost at the time, you know, uh, we always joke around, like there was a song where my bass drum pedal, um, literally fell off <laughs> <laughs> the bass drum, um, you know, and, 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 and at no point in time did we think that maybe we should do that take again. We just left it on there. <laughs> so, so what you're really listening to, aside from, uh, the vocals is, um, is pretty live. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, you know, I, I I don't recall like ever being like, hey, can I do that again? I think it was a lot of like first or second takes. Uh, and, and it's tough to listen to now at my age and, and being like, oh, I could have done that better. Or, man, the tempo is all over the place. But when I, when I listen to bands that I love from, you know, when I was a kid, you know, if I was to put on like, uh you know minor threat or any um you know gorilla biscuits or you today like all that stuff is very imperfect so i guess in our world you know you could kind of look at it that way right is it that's the whole charm to it all but it was a really fun 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 experience uh, i would say because there's something really amazing about um not really knowing what you're doing totally and you're just kind of in the moment and having fun and you don't really know what to expect uh at that point no bands in our scene were big. Nobody was on MTV yet or or on the radio. So we were literally just writing songs that we thought were really good that meant a lot to us and having the process, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I think it was captured really well. Yeah. Yeah, even though it was had this imperfection, it was
2: definitely, like I keep saying, it's like a time capsule. It was like, definitely like, um, when I hear it, it sounds like the live version of us guess, at the time. The energy, rather, rather. So as long as it was capturing that, we were like, all right, that, that, that was a good take. That that made a good take for us rather than, um, you know, asking to do a part over. I think for me anyway, especially, if, even if there's parts I wanted to do over at the time, I think we felt kind of, we were kind of shy with people sometimes. So I think we're like, I don't want to bother him. I don't want to bother the, the yeah. <laughs> try to do something. You were, you were, were. There was like, there was an element to that too.
0: Yeah, you kind of look. And then we were just like, <laughs> You kind of look at that. Yeah, like, was money too. Do, do you think I should do it again? And uh, right. <laughs> yeah. And if nobody says nobody says yes, then you kind of oh okay, I guess that's it. Um, but yeah, you, I think you know, we're, like we're always our own like harshest critics too. Like you know, like Chris was saying, you can listen to something else and not really bat an eye. Like it has to be really glaringly obvious that there's a a, a big mistake or something for you to be like. You know that doesn't sound right but when it's your thing it's it's just it's a sore spot staring you right in the face yeah. you know and uh uh-huh. i mean um yeah i i personally I've always thought that it it's really um I'm really touched by like the the kinds of stories like Chris told about you know about the the base batter falling off or whatever you know and and um <laughs> that that is there's really a lot like to be said about like the way I think that we remember our experiences and we, and we tie them to what we're creating, you know, like, um, like if you just, if, if you have that song where that happened and you know that and you're like, there it is right there on that part, that's when this happened. And it's like this thing. And you think about the people that, were with you when that happened and you like, you just like, wow, that feels good. Um, in a weird way, you know, but, um, if you just like, Oh, we got to do it again. And then you just put the thing on and then you just did it again. Then, you know, there's a possibility for that kind of like attachment to be lost, you know? So I don't know. I, I guess I'm just saying it's like one of these weird, like almost you could look at it like a, um, a, a tie, you know, that binds and, uh, like a blessing in a way or something, you know?
3: Yeah, that's yeah,
0: like, for sure. Yeah. Um,
1: I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: It's, uh, you know, like, um, it's always so interesting to find out like, you know, from one album to the next, you know, how, like a lot of times, like, it sounds like, you know, you recorded the first album, like track by track or not necessarily track by track maybe, but instrument by instrument. And, um, Uh and then you did the second one, like live except vocals. Um, and I was thinking it's, it's usually the other way around, right? Like usually, you know, the band will start out and the recording is just like, the band will be like, well, you know, we don't really know what we're doing. Like we don't feel comfortable doing track by track. Um, but, um, by the time you all went to do Sirens, I'm assuming you were back to that, like multi-tracking and doing everything yeah. separately.
2: Chris and I did uh, parts together, um, and then the, 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 it was separate after that, but,
1: but I think rhythm was done yeah, also, together, I think. Right? Uh, well, also, just to kind of like backtrack and catch us up to speed there, uh, like the... The, when we got signed to revelation records we had a bigger budget um and that was like a bigger label so they were able to put us in a studio the studio we recorded sirens in is actually um but the, the same studio that like I, I i'm not a fan of this band but like like godsmack recorded there and who else everyone from godsmack to Haven to to um isis I, I i believe and you know it was it was a it was a studio where I think they even mixed a perfect circle in there. So it was a, it was a, it was a fancy studio. Um, it was our first time situation. I had a drum tech, uh, there was, uh, a producer and an engineer, um, it's a really cool situation that we had there. So we tracked everything separately. Um, me, I'm sorry, Tom and I did ours together. Um, and then, you know, Tom did some overdubs. Uh, so he was able to sort of like fix his bass parts if he needed to. then like all the guitars were recorded separately. And then the vocals were done, so um, it was much more of like a perf- like a pro situation. The whole nature of the whole thing felt more pro. But um, I gotta say, you know, in terms of like songwriting, even though it seems like a lot of people, uh, you know, mo- I think that Sirens was a big record, uh, um, you know, in the grand scheme, it, that was a really tough record to make for us in terms of writing, and yes. we weren't as uh, on, in terms of like chemistry and figuring out what we wanted to do as as much as we were. On, on the previous records, but it's it's quite possible, like you said, um, that maybe that's the charm of that record. Maybe that's what makes it uh, cool to people that like it. For us, we always say they say it feels like an unfinished yeah. record when we listen to it because we know what we were going through. Yeah, Amazing.
2: just when I hear it, I just I know it could have been and uh, what it is. It's just I just I don't know. I just have a hard time listening. To it. I mean, I'm proud of it for what it is, but um, I, I guess the songs themselves bring back bad memories, but also the. The fact that I know it just wasn't we definitely were not ready to go to the studio. Um, and we're on the verge of breaking up, all that stuff. So I was like, it doesn't, I don't know. Yeah. The songs that were, were strong, were strong. And then I just, the way he holds his weight, his weight and the sound too, I'm just like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> it just wasn't, it is <laughs> not, it's I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, dogging the record or anything, but yeah, I just, it doesn't have the same, um, I guess, emotional heft as the other
0: mm-hmm. the records from yeah. the I mean, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely a more, um, like, cal- cal- calculated in a way. Like, um, <clears throat> and I don't know if that's, like, any, like, that could that could just be, you know, how people operated, like, under that kind of, under those kinds of circumstances. Whereas, like you said, um, you know, where you are is just, like, you're just literally just in the moment and you're just the songs coming together the way that you feel they should come together as opposed to, you know, people are like, Hey, we're here. These things have to get done and you're doing it almost sort of in a more mechanical way. Um, and, uh, yeah, I I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that's the way that I hear it, you know, I'm just saying maybe that's a possibility, but like, you know, there's a obviously that uh like you were saying there's some people that like this and there's some people that like that or lots of people like both like yeah i mean there's always like a flavor for everybody right you know it's like uh some people might lean more one way like because it feels like that to them or you know um and then and then like you said there's you know the stuff on where you are where it's just like it it just captures a different kind of energy um but yeah um what like you said that it's hard for you to listen to like did you mean that just like are there like tonal qualities that you don't um or yeah
2: high yeah? all the above honestly cuz like yeah the sound and just the time period I was just like it just doesn't sit well because I know what was happening mm-hmm. is maybe brings yeah, memories and, and, and knowing knowing the Go ahead, Right. Yeah, it's just more like going in unprepared. Mm-hmm. It was totally opposite of how we did the Where You Are, because that was uh, going in knowing, Jason knowing what he wanted to do and having all, everything was fleshed out already. Mm-hmm. So there was no pressure. But the other end, like, we, we literally didn't even have, um, you know, this isn't talking any, um, gossip or anything, but he didn't have any uh, lyrics, like, placed yet. It was So it was like that it was the night and day in that sense so going in not prepared we didn't even have enough time to really fix tones and um you know get get even vocals vocals oh, vocals like that yeah because we were spending a lot of time yeah spending a lot of time like building building it while there which is not what you should be doing with that kind of uh budget and also i don't know we're supposed to be making this record that people beyond our town will to hear you know what i mean yeah it was just not it just that's what i mean it felt like i like showed up to work with like no pants or something
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're also we we also uh, i feel like we kind of um we kind of skipped like a huge chunk of like stuff um i just realized too that might kind of paint a better picture to kind yeah, of damn sure. what was going on at the time like so after yeah like a- after where you are and where you want to be came out which was uh you know i think uh we said 2001 a lot of bands um, were getting huge in our scene around us um you know the mainstream uh labels were starting to come around so like a lot of bands that were opening for us were getting huge and i'll kind of explain why i'm bringing this up but um it definitely impacted um you know what was happening around us uh there was a lot of drama in terms of like uh with, there was a bidding war on um on the might of princess there were numerous labels, talking to us and taking us out, we almost signed to a major label. <laughs> so it so there's like leading up until sirens, there's a lot of strange stuff happening, um, that only a few people know about, um, the documentary, will kind of get into that. But, um, basically like, you know, back in those days, you know, we, in our senior head bands, like taking back Sunday, Thursday, brand new coheed and Cambria, um, with the, like all of these bands were opening up for us at the time. And, uh, it just happened to be, uh, the case, it, you know, it wasn't for, um, in order, you know we were all kind of just the same doing the same thing in the same scene and then one by one uh bands started to get picked up victory records started calling um uh, jason at his job uh and we we didn't sign to victory um we uh at the time victory was was like more of like a, a hardcore record label for bands like earth crisis and uh, bands that sound like that and then drive Through records which had bands like uh uh, desperate Confession time, I think and uh Newfound Glory um, they were uh, making offers to us, we actually did a showcase for Drive Through. Um, that was like, uh, uh, they wanted to sign us and we almost uh, actually ended up doing that, we'll kind of get into that in a second and then um, there were a handful of other ones but uh, Revelation uh, uh, came around and that was a label that we all grew up listening to um, so while this was happening, um, like we were we were seeing these bands that we played shows with on MTV suddenly, and we're listening to them on major radio stations. And I think it made us, at least I could speak for myself, you know, at the time I kind of was booking us a lot of shows, booking us a lot of tours, getting us a lot of press. Um, and we, uh, I think, had an internal struggle of like what some members were comfortable with doing versus some of the other members and signed to revelation we had undergone this whole uh, backlash in our local scene where for some reason everyone thought we were selling out because there was word that we were possibly signing to a major label um so you know we uh, we almost didn't sign at all we, It was it was it was the last minute when we finally decided to um sign with revelation uh it actually would have ended up on drive Through, but um And I'm glad that we didn't end up doing that because we actually had a conversation with them where they were talking about um, trying to change our sound and make it more polished and uh, try to kind of like almost push us in that direction that all those other bands were in. So, I don't want to cut you off, but they wanted where you are. That's correct. Yeah, they wanted us to re-record where you are and where you want to be with uh, Mark Trumbino, um, who did Jamie World and a bunch of bands at that time. Um, and they wanted us to kind of like possibly restructure the songs and add more choruses and change the cover of the record. So the history of the band could have changed right then and there. But uh, without naming anybody, there was a band on that label that had issues with us. And we actually drove out to L.A. Uh, and booked an entire tour around signing to a major and then got um, denied pretty much as soon as we got there. Um, you know, they were like basically like flipped on us um <laughs> so after all the drama we had endured we had gone back home to Long Island and uh and um I'm glad we signed to Revelation though but like I said like by the time that happened like we there was a, there was a lot of defeat going on um and I think we were trying to hold on to some excitement but it was just a, a lot of turmoil um unfortunately and I can hear that when I listen to our record. And like Tom said, like Jason didn't even have lyrics once we um, when we entered the studio. He, he was writing, he had some lyrics. I think we had like two songs uh, pre-production demos done, but I remember him sitting there with a notebook just figuring out what to do while we were in there. And and we broke up shortly after we uh up yeah. that record. It's like less than a year
2: after that. Yeah, I mean, the band had four, you know, we were four very distinct people and contributed a lot to You know, each of us contributed so much to the band musically, but, you know, it wouldn't have been if we had a different singer, it just wouldn't have been the same, you know. So he was definitely the driving force of um, the way it's sounded overall as far as uh, the emotional vibe. And anyone that saw the band was, you know, rightfully linked, you know, took took comfort in watching him play and stuff like that. Um, So to have him being confused about what he wanted, the sound he wanted, and definitely not being as driven as he was. When he was doing Where You Are, that that really took the the wind out of the sails uh, for me. I, I'm looking back at it now. At the time, you know, it's, it was hard to see, but looking now, it's, I can kind of see that that was you know he was more focused musically and and didn't have so much so many um. Uh, internal problems as he was having at the time I think it would have definitely gone smoother because you know, during Where You Are there was definitely there was turmoil there was stuff going on in all our lives and stuff like that but the fact that he was driven and focused was made the bend smooth sailing but when he, he was not it was definitely was, the anchor was just not there I think you know already I mean it
0: sounds like you know not not to make assumptions but it sounds like you know kind of when you when you all were writing the uh when you're all writing where you are you you know the band was this huge release for you uh away from your problems yep. but then kind of once you got in this position to make sirens and it wasn't <coughs> ready uh you know you weren't ready to go and record and so instead of making the record as like a way to release your problems it it that making the record became a part of your problems and that's
2: absolutely no you that that is very nice to hear that in that way because that that is that is uh that's exactly that you just that hit the nail on the head cuz yeah. that became in you know we've talked about that but to hear someone objectively so say that makes a lot of sense cuz that was uh, i remember that being a it was a physical problem, emotional problem. Like, you know, we were touring a lot, and it was, I mean, it was, like, making, uh, at least me, I was feeling a lot physically sick, and I did want to be there. It was a lot of anger, regret, uh, you know, resentment, and stuff like that. And that was completely opposite of where um, you are. Because, yeah. you know, it, it, with Simons it became a thing that there was so much pressure because of, uh, you know, you're putting more things on hold, Um uh whether it's uh rent or a job and stuff like that so there was more weight on it if, if it didn't work so we were touring around and then if you're not getting along it just and also, amplified it even more So and then,
1: just like like a bunch of things i want to before we continue on to like what was happening at that time one other thing that we overlooked was that when jason wrote where you are and where you want to be he actually wrote a substantial amount of those songs yeah. um, on his own and showed them to us. Some were completed. Um, some of them we wrote together. Some of them were written by Lou, but a lot of the, the uh, best songs on that, he wrote on his own. That was not the case on sirens, uh, sirens. Um, we were really like trying to figure out how to do this because we had delayed the signing of this contract for so long. Um, and you know, time was passing and I feel like the label was like, what are you, what are you, what are you guys doing? So, um, Not to mention, you know, aside from like personal stuff going on in our lives and, um, partners, uh, and jobs, um, we now have a publicist. We now have, um, an A&R person. Um, there's a whole, there's a record label with an office and a staff and expectations. And, um, so it became more of like a business thing. And then for me, um, I was almost like, I mean, Tom, I don't know if you would agree. I felt like I was the manager of the band at that time because, yeah, I was dealing with, um the business end of it. I, we had a booking agent. Um, you know, I was trying to like wrangle everybody to kind of like meet the expectations i um, been working with. And I was very also um, swayed by the competition of looking at bands that, that were opening up for us who are now, you know, suddenly uh, on like TRL and all these like fancy, you know, some of them are on the Conan O'Brien show. And I'm like, uh, you know, what about us, you know? And, and it was never what this band sought out to do. And it started to kind of, um, Started to feel like I was turning into a different person and I was resenting the bandmates for not sort of like kind of like going along with whatever it was that I was trying to get them to do. And it definitely pulled us apart. I should mention too, you know, we had by at this point we had toured so much. Um, we toured the US at least four, for maybe five times, and experienced everything from vans <laughs> blowing up to, you know, car, like, totaling cars. Uh, we, we you know, we... we <laughs> random fistfights in the three with people we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was just... We were literally, like... There was definitely a black down. cloud. Yeah, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Looking back, it's definitely... Black weird. cloud on us. But it was... Yeah. He's right. Like, you know, going through the, the beautiful parts of touring. Because, like, you know, it's one thing when... I think one of the time we went back home in the car we left in maybe once or twice. Like we were always like coming back on u U-Haul or like oh, van flipped again, that kind of stuff. So and it's easier to deal with when everything's going well and everyone's getting along. But when sirens came, it was like we're not getting our guarantee and. We uh, got into a huge accident in the middle of nowhere, in Nebraska. It was that, and like this, it just made us like, so much more weighty. And
1: it was, it was more than a. We, we, we actually drove off of like a small <laughs> cliff and almost died. Um, oh no! Side meanwhile, down. yeah, yeah. yeah mean, meanwhile, you know, while this was happening, um, you know, there was actually a, a documentary that like these kids in Long Island uh, in the punk scene made. Um, about you know, it had the band Ladderman in it, and it had us in it, and had a bunch of bands from our scene, and like, there's was a huge focus in that documentary about us selling out, which is, um, which was ridiculous. So it was just like we we couldn't catch a break. Um, and by the time we got into the studio and made that record, we were we were very beaten down. Yeah, for
3: sure. <laughs> to, to, um, not, not that we ever needed
1: like validation from other people, but. You know, we took a lot of
2: friendships to heart from that scene. And we just never, if you're know, really looking at it back to, like now, looking at it, we didn't really fit in anywhere, really. Because we didn't fit in with those people because we didn't have the same, uh, you know, DIY ideals and stuff like that. And then we didn't fit in with the, you know, the more uh, polished emo sound and stuff like that. So we didn't really have like a complete niche. And I'm not saying that was a bad or good thing. It's just that's just, it's just, but it did make us more insular. And then when that happens and that's not working, this way do you go? Who you turn to is that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. So uh, it made everything much more difficult because we were like kind of more, like, traveling in, in our own little pod rather than having like uh, some camaraderie. Especially when we we're you know kind of not really kicked out of that other scene, but just when it, b- it became more tainted. Like we didn't really care what they thought as far as far. It, it was ridiculous what, what they were saying and, and um, pointing fingers. Um, but at the same time, you know, it did push us further away into like no there was nowhere for us to go as far as uh um i don't know some kind of uh like i said camaraderie or, or some yeah. kind of, uh, something, something to relate to yeah like there was no no other band that we could be like all right that's that's the band we could kind of relate to or try to emulate because everything around us was uh either that doi thing where they were just like happy playing in the basements forever which is cool but then it was that or the, the polished other side that was getting more of um you know, poppy and polish. When we you know we we knew we didn't want that either. So we were just like, where do we go? Yeah. It was that kind of thing. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm happy we did kind of stick to our guns in that in that sense. But it probably would have been nice to have um, at least one other band to kind of uh, you know tail along with that was kind of in the same in the same boat. But you know, and then like Chris was saying, there was a all kind of different. We all kind of had different ideas of what we wanted to do with the band. Um, not so much musically, but I guess in a career sense. Um, and I think, you know, if if we were all on the same page, and at least in that, it would have been able to float a little, a little better, but um, and at the same time, we weren't talking about it either. So it wasn't like uh, we sat down and had a, you know, we were all young and dumb, so it wasn't like we had a band meeting saying, oh, I want to do this, I want to do this. We kind of all learned it through each other's actions in a way. So Yeah. Um, and by that time, it was, you know, Chris is saying he's the manager and I, you know, I bless him because, you know, we were all kind of uh, not being like lazy about it, but definitely like... A little frustrated, like, oh, God, there's another show next week, that kind of thing. So it, it, it became a thing where we weren't saying, still not saying no to any show, but also see it more as an obligation rather than um, uh, because, yeah you know, we wanted to play again. Because from my perspective, I was just like, this is not working. And I know it's not working. I know I don't want to be here. I want to talk about it, but I'm not talking about it. And at the same time, Chris is, you know, accelerating the... Um, wanted the band to get bigger Which makes sense Because I'm not, not faulting him for that Because he didn't know I was thinking You know Thinking what I was thinking uh, Jason's having his own problems Lou's just being blue And you know Totally fine <laughs> So it's like um, So with that, all that happening You know It was just No one was really steering the Chris was steering the band In a professional way
1: But you know We're all not really and, 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 I, and, it should, and it was working. Actually, It was actually working Because I mean It was very bizarre Um I know we're giving you A long-winded answer But I kind of wanted to Give you a picture of like anyone listening kind of like what it was like back then but like we were this weird band that like we could be playing basement shows one day and then the next week we could be playing in front of like 2,000 people at a festival with like everybody you know at Hellfest remember we played with like on that bill it was everyone from like fucking the Misfits to you know Poison the Well or from Bottom of the Ashes <laughs> and then we'd play shit like that uh you know maybe we'd get on like a, a, a random show um with like some bigger band, you know, like Thursday or something like that in our local town or, or in, the, in the next. Actually, we I remember we played a, a show with Fallout Boy in Connecticut. That was weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <That's basic. laughs> so it's like we, yeah. And then, like, you know, so it was like we didn't really fit in anywhere and we didn't really know how to, even though we were playing to larger audiences, um, we didn't really feel like we were part of like a community. We weren't in the metalcore scene or the pop punk scene. We were just kind of there. Um, and like, it was a very confusing thing for us, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: and, and all those bands
2: became like, uh, I guess from my perspective, I started losing interest in that kind of, uh, I don't know, scene is the wrong word because there's so many different scenes, but I guess there's so many new bands popping up with like the same type of name and like the same kind of sound. So the, For me, I would like to go seeing a show and, and being inspired by, you know, especially if we're playing with um, a band that you like and stuff like that. I, I, we started showing up to all these shows. I was just speaking for myself because like, I know some of the other guys in the band were influenced by them but for me personally going to a show and like not liking any of the bands I was with I was just like and that's not not in an arrogant way it's just like I would not go home and listen to this kind of band that kind of thing yeah it became much more of like a an obligation like to sit through especially with these festivals really long and stuff it was just a thing I was really not um even though I appreciated them and respected them musically it was just I started really losing um uh interest in that type of music so it really wasn't you know, I just felt really disconnected from it, too. So, which is why, like, after they started, like, prog bands and stuff like that. But, like, but um it just, yeah, it just was not in my taste anymore to be around that kind of thing. And it was so much, at the time, it was so amplified. It was everywhere. Like, you go, you know, I guess before that, we were doing a lot of those DIY shows, and, like, you show up and you're playing with the same kind of bands, and that's cool and stuff. But with this, it was the same kind of thing, and it was just, like, it was so tiring to, like, hear the same kind of stuff every day. For me, personally. Looking back, it's, you know, it was cool that we did it and everything, but, um... It just there's nothing to like influence me to want to like show up and play along something that you know a band that you really like to love. So yeah, that was that was a really good part for me too.
0: Yeah, also I mean I don't know what the what the situation might have been like at some of those shows either, but sometimes it's it's just it's different if if you if it's bands that you knew beforehand and you show up and, you know, you've looked forward to seeing your friends and whatnot, and then... Of course. Like, you're, you know, you're talking about big packages and sometimes, like, there's different... You know, people are on different levels, like... um I'll use the word ego, and I don't mean that in a disparaging way, but, you know, right. they are on different levels, like, as far as ego goes, and uh it's, it's not... It's not always the most comfortable situation to be in where you know people are all all sort of like um sizing each other up in a way, you know, like um like if if you you know you say like misfits or whatever, you know like you don't just go to a show and just chill, you know it's just like,
1: right, uh, right, right. You know, right that's a- <laughs> yeah we, we that's a that's funny to bring up because we actually played a show with we actually somehow got on a show okay. with the misfits that wasn't at a festival dot uh, they showed up and thought like well their crew showed up and thought that we were, <laughs> no, we were outside smoking, <laughs> we were outside smoking <laughs> and like they showed we're up outside smoking. Stuff, handing, us, handing us stuff we
2: were like okay we just started bringing it yeah so we started like
1: we started actually like <laughs> like bringing stuff in until we figured out what they were like i don't think they know that we're a, a band that's playing this show um and uh you know, it, it, I had a. Can I tell a quick story oh, about yeah, that? That was one of my favorite stories. Yeah. yeah. Go on. Um, I mean, it's just kind of a great pivot for, for bringing that up. But we were backstage. Uh, <laughs> we just played. I don't expect the Misfits to watch us. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, the the lineup for the Misfits at that moment was pretty wild. It was Marky Ramone on drums and Dez from Black Flag on guitar, and Jerry only was singing and playing bass. So, Marky Ramone backstage. Um, sunglasses, the Ramones haircut, the leather jacket, you know, very iconic. And I I just went up to him and said, hey, man, it's really uh, um, amazing to share a stage with you. It's an honor. I didn't really want to take up too much of his time. And he had a Sharpie (laughs) ready to go, took it out of his um, leather jacket. And I remember he took a bar napkin up. Autographed it and kind of threw the napkin at me and walked away. That was what. Oh, um, it was, that was pretty awesome.
2: He was just like a like autograph us. Yeah, I guess <laughs> that's
1: when you're in the Ramones, you just get used to that after a while. Like, I, I actually like if if I could turn back time, I would have actually probably uh, shake tried to shake his hand for that because that was just such a gangster move right there. Yeah. <laughs> that's him saying I, I need a drink. Okay. Don't talk to me.
2: Yeah. <laughs> No, but actually, it was, but to tell you the truth, it was fun to play with. They had, I remember they had, they had so many speakers. I was like, Jesus Christ. And And, you know, I know because we carried a lot of it in, <laughs> but, like, he, the guy was playing with, like, four, you know, SVT, like, 8x10s. I was like, this is insane. I just remember that being cool to, like, see up close, but anyway. <laughs> but yeah the ego yeah the ego thing was definitely yeah like you're saying it's, it was different than that was obviously very different than going to some basement you know two weeks prior which I'm sure that happened so I mean
1: it was, it was it was pretty it was pretty nuts I mean like, like yeah uh, it was like it was the extremes of of both and um, like there were there were i don't want to name uh, anybody uh because i'm still friendly with some of these people and they were young too but i remember bands like rolling up to venues and limousines um you know it, it got to that point and like i also remember um, and then there was like bands that only wanted to play in basements and we were friends with everybody so it's like you could never win yeah uh, you know, wherever we went. We just wanted to hang out in music. I, I, I didn't really care if your band was big or small, you know what I mean? It, it, as long as you were cool, that was cool with, uh, with Yeah, with being us, young, but, though, uh, like, back you know, in the
2: both sides, I saw a problem with that in a way, which is problem. You know, we were like, we'll play with anybody. We we really would play with anybody. It was a thing where we played with, like, any type of band or anyone that really asked us if we were available. But then one side would be like, oh, how, can, how, can we, how could you go to, you know, the Nassau Clean Cook kids, you know what I mean? Like, you get that kind of vibe of, like, oh, why are you... Right, with those people it was a weird like high school cafeteria kind of thing that wouldn't be like that now but when you're young and you know it's seen in that kind of uh context it was kind of annoying because i was like you know i just want to play with them we just love playing so it wasn't a thing that we are uh, second guess if someone asked us it wasn't like you know we're not we're not cool enough to play with them or too cool to play with them it was never it really was never like that and that was probably part of the downfall too because there was no uh... no strategy <laughs> right yeah, yeah exactly
1: yeah exactly just, yeah yeah Exactly. I mean, like, that, yeah. it, like 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 playing in bands now, um, you know, it's a little different because you see it kind of is, it's, it's, it's an entertainment business no matter how you want to look at it or not. You know, it's just, you know, one thing's Broadway, the other thing's a metal show, but it all is the same thing at the end of the day. People are paying to see a show and you kind of want to have a strategy. It's like anything else. We didn't have a strategy. There was no strategy at all. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know. I mean, there were bands
2: like that, I guess, in the – we weren't the only band to ever be like that. There were bands like that that maybe did it in a way that was more, um, I don't know, professional is the right word. But, you know, there were other bands that did that. It's just that for us anyway, there was no reference point of like, how how, how could we do this and, and survive at the same time and not, you know, kill each other or, <laughs> um, I don't know. We were even like professional minded, like it wasn't like, if we went to once ran along and we had a guarantee if we didn't make the guarantee, we just kind of shrug our shoulders and walk away. We didn't really have like that, like advocating voice to be like stick up for you know stick up for what we we were entitled to. You know, yeah. Chris is saying it's the same business, and he's right. And we weren't really compensated in that way, um, so we didn't have like the the I guess the brains or the the knowledge of the that the business back then to kind of uh, take what we needed. You know, from it. You, um, you know, painting this bad light, it makes sense at the time. But the final tour we did in Europe was very positive, honestly. Um, for a lot of reasons, if you want to get into that. Um, but going over there, you know, we were um, taken care of by, it was just a different kind of thing to finally get out of America and um, it gave us a, like a last jolt of uh, excitement and positivity to kind of be over there. There were still some of the same problems happening, but the fact that we went over there and like seeing that people were into the band, we didn't really know. We, it wasn't like, you know, internet's so big here, We can kind of see where your streams are anymore, kind of surprised that people were into it and the venues were taking care of us we were getting tea and stuff like that so that kind of that kind of gave us a one last um, you know positive uh, note
0: before we uh, broke up when we got home Yeah. But, was that after you recorded Sirens or or like
2: yeah it was, it was linked to this same we did the Sirens and then we did uh, that kind of really bad tour with Chris was saying we flipped the van and stuff um, mm. we knew we were breaking up and then we um, went to Europe that 2004 like around March or so and for almost a couple of months and um yeah, that was a, that was a very very good tour, especially since the tour before. Like I'm saying, we were the van, we weren't making the guarantee, we weren't getting along. Um, almost woke up on tours, like every kind of bad thing that could happen um, was happening. It was just not not a good environment to be in. Yeah. Um, and then uh, going to that that you know lighter side of Europe and being appreciated and and you know it was just a very completely different scenario and be like at the, the taking you know the professional thing if we were, were smarter in that sense and we're willing to fight for that kind of thing because you know uh, a lot of people wanted to see us in certain areas and we weren't really capitalizing on that like we should have maybe if we did we would have seen more of a uh some reason to keep keep going because it's one thing to, to 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 not believe in what you're doing show up in place and and then you know people come to see you and they don't give you a guarantee it's like I don't know. I feel like it could have it could've given us some kind of um reason to keep going and maybe it could have healed a couple of yeah. things. Who knows?
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think also like, like uh Tom was saying, like I think we I think you brought that up because you know we we probably weren't acting very professional because we weren't being you know, what was around us wasn't very professional. I mean, we, we were going to shows and not always getting paid. What we what people said we were gonna get paid. Um, you know, we were pretty much like self managed, so we were c- trying to deal with that ourselves and then Before we broke up, we got really lucky and got this European tour offer, which um, was the most professional thing that we ever got to experience at that point. Um, Unfortunately, um, you know, it it happened very late in the band's career. Um, But, you know, we were also fortunate to at least get sort of like a little glimpse of what that life uh, was like, which everyone around us was experiencing. You know, we we were flown over, we were um, paid generously, we had a driver. Um in, cer- in, in a certain part of uh, when we were in Italy, we had a translator that was um, tour managing and working with us. And uh, we got uh, we got fed three times a day. And the whole thing was 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 kind of like the dream. Um, and, you know, when we weren't playing festivals for thousands of people, we were headlining shows at clubs where, you know, a couple hundred people were showing up and we couldn't believe that people knew who we were. And we were there for a good month or so and came home. And it was the first time we ever actually made money to split up uh, between the two, between the four of us. But um, I think most of us knew even before we got on that plane that, you know, that, that, that what we were probably not going to be uh, continuing as a band uh, when we got back. But we just wanted to sort of at least have this last final experience. And it was, it was really beautiful. Um, and that was, uh, yeah, yeah, 2004. Yeah. Every time I look you know, back, yeah. not too long.
2: When we look back on that, it's such a, glimmer of uh you know sunlight in this really dark year of things and um seeing like yeah you know, being taken care of in that sense too it was like you know we i saw someone you know our driver actually at the time the one time that someone tried to not give us a guarantee he, he came out and gave uh you know he would give the money to the driver and like he gave him like i don't know i don't remember what it was but he just handed it back to me he's like bring this back when it's the real guarantee or something <laughs> <laughs> so like that's something we never none of us would have would have done yeah, yeah, did yeah. that it was like yeah, yeah. so yeah, I mean, we were just always kind of uh, accepting the negativity so much. I think that that's the biggest, one of the biggest uh, things I kind of look back on. Like, oh my God, we just kind of like just took what was there and never really like, you know, we like imploded, but we never like complained out when we like we should have. We're never like our own advocates when we should have been, I guess. Um in a lot of different areas, and that one especially, like the guarantee thing, we just like, okay, you're gonna have it. That's cool. And just like leave and like you know, pinch pennies to buy a pizza or something. Yeah. But like, well, uh, you,
1: you know, if I, it's like if you go, when you go to work, do you leave without getting paid? You know, so yeah, uh, we. No, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, start so, looking at it that way, and we should have because because of you know all the hard work that we're sacri- putting in. You know, so too, you know? yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: not that everything's about money, but when you're,
2: you know, it just made that much. It made the situation that much harder. Yeah, when you're when you're sacrificing things and quitting your job and
0: your vans are blowing, up. you know, up. leaving
2: relationships and stuff like that. When you're sacrificing that much, yeah, when yeah, your vans are blowing <laughs> yeah. up and like yeah, it's, and the band and then on top of that, if the ban itself is not working. It just makes everything. I don't you know. know. I don't want to turn this to a complaint. No, I, I
0: understand. <laughs> so you know, after you come back from Europe, um, and it's pretty much like the band's run its course um obviously like you know y'all y'all moved on to um other other things like i you know um play you know y'all moved on to other projects separately and stuff but then at some point you know y'all decided you would play a few more shows together like how did that happen
2: that was um i could i could speak to that cuz that was uh when you know when we did break up originally I mean, this is not a a secret, but he was, you know, just not in a good way. Um, You know, mental problems and physical problems, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Some substances and things like that. So that was happening right when we were breaking up, um, which is, you know, part of uh, a big chunk of the reason why we're breaking up besides everything else. So um, I just knew I didn't want to be around that anymore. Not necessarily him because I loved him, but I just, in the phase of my life I was in, I was just, just really trying to get away from, you know, that kind of negativity. I just couldn't handle it, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, Especially being around it so much when I didn't want to be. Um, So then, there was a point where I heard he was just through my true friends that he was doing better. Um, and I just reached out to him. You know, I, I started, it was like maybe I 2004, so two or three years later, I just started seeing like, you know, I, I think it was in one night in particular I was just like, thinking about it because, you know, at that point, we had been You know, the band started like in 96, roughly, so I put so much time into it, and I was just like kind of feeling, not necessarily nostalgic, but a lot of regret of having to go down that way, because I remember just being really wanting, that was kind of the idea in my head as a kid and as, uh, around that time I was searching for a band, was to really be in a band like that, you know. I remember seeing Fishbone when I was um, a teenager, and that kind of energy, the communal energy, and... Uh, just that something that made me feel really good. I always wanted to be in a band like that, not really like fishbowl musically, but something that could you know, like uh, feed off the the people watching you and stuff like that. And then having that not be there anymore and knowing all the work I put into it, I just started to feel a lot of regret and not um, and the, the fact there was no real closure to it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just reached out to him. I was like, yeah, I heard everything. Um, not so much. Um, it wasn't, no, nah, I remember being like, actually when I did, It wasn't, like, a serious conversation at all. I was like, yeah, what's up, dude? And we just, just, like, slipped right into that kind of jokey uh, humor we always had together. We just, like, slipped in, and we got coffee the next day, and that was was it. And I talked. I think I called Chris and Lou the next day. I was like, yeah, I saw him, and um, would you guys want to, like, hang out? We just, like, kind of went from there. Like, um, and we just talked. The idea came about just doing, uh, not getting back together, per se, but just kind of, do a reunion thing and just play again I think we all really wanted to have that closure, I think all of us maybe at that point you know, typical, uh, um, uh, different ideas of what that would look like but I think all of us definitely wanted to have some kind of uh, closure because it ended ended so bad before, if that makes any sense
0: Yeah, yeah Um, How did y'all feel about like when it came time to play those shows, how, how did you feel about playing the material from Sirens? Were you, at that point, were you like, were you feeling more like positive towards the songs yes. as songs? And, and you, oh, for sure.
2: Yeah. yeah. Cause I remember, um, I was always the kind of the set list Nancy, how I would make the set list and change them up a lot. So I was just like, I remember being at that time anyway, being excited to do them again. Cause I, you know, at that point, honestly, this was, um, uh, the songs took a better uh, character when we started playing them live anyway. Just the, the siren stuff. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate them better, like, live than I did the record, even though I didn't like the record. So from that tour, after Sirens and going into the European tour the the songs definitely not not changed so much but they just had a different energy live that I appreciated Mm -hmm. Um, so that yeah so definitely at that point it was was inspiring to play them and stuff it was just inspiring to play with the guys again because you know we'd done other things after that after each of us did something else um, after the band broke up but to be in the room with them again and have it flow easily and no, we, we they, you know, there was no more um, bad blood or anything like that, and to be able, be able to heal it and not have to worry about, uh, you know, deadlines and uh, all this other stuff that was kind of, uh, you know, tearing us apart. It was, it was nice to be able to do that and 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 have people be interested. You know, at that point, it was three years and um, going from and I had a following at the time. We didn't know if it was going to be a, a thing where people want to see us again and stuff. So. At least for me, it's just like, you know, people come when they come, but it it turned out to be a thing where where it was uh you know, people 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 showed up, people came from other countries to flew to go see us and stuff. So it was it was really inspiring to do it again. Yeah,
1: definitely. That's awesome. And the response was really good too. So it was it was a lot of it was a lot more positivity uh, felt when we did those reunions than we had felt in many years, probably not since you know, yeah. the where you are era. It it felt right.
0: Yeah. Um so yeah, you, you you've mentioned before that that it is like the 20, you know, it's like the 20 year anniversary of where you are. Um is now wasn't there a, wasn't there just a repress of that? Are you pressing that again? So the uh
1: so that that album was um repressed several times. Um it uh, the the recent repress was uh really exciting because Dead broke records, which is uh, Mike Bruno from the band Iron Chic, old friend of ours, uh, repressed it on different colors of vinyl. Um, it was also remastered, and then there was a repackaging. So uh, you know, for vinyl collectors and people that are like diehards, I think that was uh, really exciting for them. And when we saw the success of the first run um, of the of the whatever colors uh, were part of the first run, there was like three colors. Um, we repressed it again. Um, so. Uh, then we put it out on three other colors, uh, that's sold out. And, um, you know, we, we're, we're big on, you know, if people still into the band, I I love, uh, you know, I love, I love a lot of bands that are broken up and, you know, the, the preserving of a legacy. So we, we, we thought, Oh, okay, well, let's keep going. And we, you know, we put out a a repress of some old t-shirt designs and, you know, there seems to be a, a bit of a resurgence of interest. So we're, we're trying to keep it going as much as we can. And, uh, you know hopefully we'll be doing more of that with the uh, other records uh in the uh in the future sooner than later fingers crossed
0: yeah yeah that that'd be great i think yeah i mean um some friends of mine were definitely uh when one of the represses went up they were talking about you know they missed like whichever variant that they wanted to get and whatnot and uh you know and um <clears throat> You know, it's, I'm sure that you all get tired of hearing about like when is Sirens going to be repressed and, you know, and stuff like that. But <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, uh, people, I think people are definitely still, you know, looking, looking for, um, uh, represses and, you know, more info and stuff from y'all. Um, which, you know, brings me to like the documentary that y'all have been working on. Like, um, what can you tell us about that? And, um, like what uh, w- like what stage are you at in the development of that?
1: It's uh it's still a really early stage. You know, I gotta I gotta thank everybody for donating that by the way, because it's totally uh, crowdfunded. Okay. Um and I uh am just sort of uh, getting in, you know, we're we 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 have the whole we have all the footage. Um Compiled. I mean, there's still more coming in, but we've gotten uh, so much overwhelming footage uh, from from people all over the place, from, uh, you know, shows, rehearsals where we didn't know uh, friends that were there had cameras on and um, even hangouts that we didn't even know there were cameras on. So um, in terms of like what stage we're at, it's still very early stages. You know, um, I had uh, my friend who's uh, editing and, uh, you know. Putting it all together as I sort of produce and direct everything with, uh, you know, when I say that, I mean like taking timestamps of interviews and, uh, you know, where to put uh, We had like, we had <laughs> the first 15 minutes of the documentary were done, which took about 30 hours. And then, um, and then I took a look at it and, and, and decided that I wanted to change the whole thing. So, <laughs> you know, it's definitely a, a, a long, long process, but my goal, my goal is to, um, is to make sure that this gets done by the end of the year. Uh, No matter what, that's that's really like what my goal here is. And then uh, my hopes, you know, is to have uh, have it out, you know, by so like I want to finish it by the end of the year and I want to have it out by early 2022 um, at the very latest. And, um, you know, if, if the world is in some kind of normal place, you know, I'm hoping that maybe we could have an event where we show the film, you know, here in New York. Uh, where we all live, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of cool places that have been playing music, uh, films, and things of that nature. So, you know, it's still a long way, but uh, w- once it's out, I really can't wait for people to see uh, the footage that we were able to um, get our hands on, and it's going to be really cool.
0: That's awesome. Um, <clears throat> before we take off here, is there anything else that that um, we didn't get to talk about?
2: I'm sure there is, but it's not. um, I mean, that's (laughs) 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 why the documentary is a a good, uh, um, you know, for all those missing pieces, I guess. It's a really good uh, way to kind of explain parts of the band that maybe people didn't know about or stuff like that. So that's, I think that's that's one positive thing about it. You know, just to hear the story. Not so much as the gossip stuff, but just like, you know, where it came from and just kind of our side of it since we were so silent at the time. um, And not like these big personalities. I mean, Jason was a little bit, but... You know, there, there's a lot that people don't know, and it would be good to kind of, uh, you know, cover those bases, I All think.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, have our story be told. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the only other thing that I would say is, uh, you know, um, there is going to be other stuff coming out, you know, that we'll eventually be able to let people know about in terms of like pre um, you know, um, rare uh, B sides and things that were recorded. Um, uh, that, that people may have not known about and so we're you know sort of just like trying to navigate some of those things but uh you know, luckily i think we're going to still be able to release uh, uh more stuff for, for a band that has been up for uh you know for so long I, you know it's 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 going to be uh, i think exciting for anyone that still um, is interested in in the band so yeah
0: And that was my conversation with Chris Enriquez and Tom Orza. Thank you both so much for taking the time to chat with me. It really was a pleasure. Also want to give a big thanks to everybody for listening. This is episode 77, and if it's your first time listening, that means you have 76 other episodes where you can go by, hear people's stories, and check out some really great bands that you may have never heard of. Until next time, take care and do good things.